Welcome to the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Dowd. In my 25 years of sales experience, I've managed some of the most prestigious accounts in the world, negotiated multi-million dollar deals without sacrificing relationships, and built successful sales organizations where folks were knocking down the door to be a part of the rich, fun culture we created. My goal is to help train leaders and sales organizations how to manage and deliver results with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Each week, I'll share strategies you can take with you to invest in your people in a way that redefines the fabric of your sales organization and your company as a whole. I have an arsenal of tips and tricks up my sleeve and have a decorated sales career to leverage. Let's get started. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. Today's guest, I am so excited to bring to you Sabrina Stocker. She is a tennis player turned Forbes featured entrepreneur, international speaker, and a semi-finalist for the BBC One show, The Apprentice. Sabrina is the founder of Two Comma PR, turning the stories of brands and blockchain projects into users using the power of public relations. She has an incredible story to tell us. I am so excited to have you here, Sabrina. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. And the pleasure is mine. I'm super excited to be here today. Excellent. All right. So for those that don't know you, can you share a little bit about your background? Of course. So back in the days, I was a tennis player, which means I was super competitive, always wanting to win. And by the age of 22, I was running a tennis company with 400 events a year, a team of 42. And we're pretty much the biggest or the biggest company in the UK for tennis. And during this time, I went to the Apprentice Show for any American users. It's like the classy version of the UK compared to Trump. The low bar. Yeah, it was amazing. I loved it. Um, And I opened up like red carpet opportunities, TV opportunities, radio. And when we got to lockdown, I pretty much lost my company overnight. And the fear and the anger and the frustration, I was thinking, okay, Like I have a team, I have overheads. I've spent so long building this company. What can I do? Mm. So I created a tech platform solving one of the biggest problems at the time. And that was no one could get food. So when you type your postcode or in the US your zip code, you found all the delivery slots in your area. And using all my PR contacts from The Apprentice, we had a hundred thousand people on our website overnight. The website crashed. And within six weeks, we had 3.2 million page views and half a million subscribers. And not only were we able to get people food, but I was kind of financially relieved because the team that I loved, that I built, I bought them from this company that was no longer operating and moved them into the new company. And because everything was in place, I had a full functioning team. And now within the PR space, we help elevate thought leaders and personal brands to leave their legacy because the biggest lesson I learned is that you can lose everything. Yeah. Your experience, your skill sets, and your personal brand will always be your biggest asset. Oh, so let's talk about personal brand because I think myself being a a newly minted entrepreneur, um, personal branding is not taught in corporate world. And, you know, your brand in their mind is your job and your role. And why is a personal brand so important? And how is it different from a corporate brand? For sure. I think there's a big missing opportunity in the corporate space because 
team members, and I don't like to call them employees, I like to say team members, they want to feel their identity. They want to feel like they are somebody because otherwise they just feel like they're a number. And one of the biggest retention tools for big corporates is to give the ability to teach others their personal brand. And especially when it comes to the hiring process, imagine if the majority of your team members were talking about their work life, what they're working on right now, that's going to create a company culture that they're proud of. And they don't feel like they're an individual. They feel like they're contributing to something bigger. And that's going to obtain higher retention. Mm. It's going to drive inbound quality quality team members to join and it's also going to create such a great company culture for the company as well oh, you you're you're singing my song and i'll tell you when i think about this and i i learned it just through my own experience but i talk to customers a lot about this and i and i say to them you know it's so important to invest in your people and help them build their personal brand and the first reaction to the reluctant few are well what if they leave well what if they stay so what are your thoughts? I think it's kind of a limiting belief that we have, meaning, oh, well, what if they're going to go start something new? What mm. if they're going to start their own business? What if they're going to leave? But if you change and flip the script a bit and think, well, actually, if our team members feel fulfilled, if they feel listened to, it's actually yeah. a creation for entrepreneurship. It's creation for more leads. And if you can tie that into a way that actually building a brand helps the business and the team members are going to get more from it, maybe that's mm. a financial if they're bringing more leads in, maybe that's a bigger role opportunity, they're going to stay because they love the company there's a reason why there's only a few entrepreneurs. And that's because there's this glorified myth that it's fun being an entrepreneur and it's so not hard. hard. Actually, you're working even harder and being yeah. an entrepreneur isn't for everyone, no. but having happiness in the workplace and having fulfillment can come from empowerment and empowerment comes from your personal brand because you feel listened to. Oh, you, girl, I mean, you and I could teach a class on this because this is all what I teach about culture and feeling valued, feeling seen. So talk about the role of culture from your tennis company to two comma PR and how important is that to your success? Mm. When you get to a certain level in business, you scale on your team because as a business owner, you can't do everything and you can't wear yeah. ultimate hats. And maybe you can until your first six or seven figures. But if you want to create something bigger, you have to allow the team to do that. Mm -hmm. And if they're working with you 30, 40, 50 hours a week, they need to feel like they're valued and that they feel like a family. So culture is really allowing your team members to feel like they're part of something bigger so that they want to stay. They have the social need and the financial need when they come. They feel like they're creating something bigger and all of that elevates from your culture. I love that. I, I think that's so important. And asking people what they need, asking them about their lives, it's so important for your success. And, and I've learned this that you know, when you actually take the time to understand who a person is wholly, you can advocate for them so much better, but they're gonna feel so seen, they're gonna feel valued. And that's just so critical to your success as a business owner or a, a leader in business. So I love that. So you talk a little bit about why it's important to have an easy to navigate website. Talk about that. For sure. Well, there's so much information out there. 
There's so much information. What happens when you Google yourself? What happens when someone wants to learn about you? And when there's so much information, you want to make it as simple as possible for somebody to learn about you. But you can also create the story. Because on my website, I'm able to say what I want to say, push what I want to push, share the stories in an easy way. If you make it complicated or even have nothing there at all, you're allowing the other person to create their own opinions on you and to guess. And when you guess, there's no clarification. So whether you're trying to find a new job, where you're trying to get something higher in what you're currently doing, or even if you're trying to start something yourself, people will buy into you. And what's the first thing you're going to do you're going to Google them. So you want to make it as easy as possible for the person Googling you to create the story yourself and tell your story, not let someone else tell it for you. So how big of a role does SEO or search engine optimization play in all that? To keep it very simple, you can put your full name or your full and middle name into the URL and that will naturally rank itself. Mm -hmm. You don't need a fancy website. You can just get started on Wix and, you know, you can create a website for seven, ten dollars a month or even free plans. As you go on, then you're able to build that over time. But really, the biggest stopping set is just getting it started and getting Mm -hmm. something out there. And and what I know when you kind of exploded with shopping slot, which was kind of your leap onto getting hundreds of thousands of followers, there's this um, feeling of how do I do it again? And I went viral. So, so talk to me about how did you handle that pressure? Did you view it as pressure? What happened for you? Well, it was really interesting because imagine that you get half a million subscribers and you haven't even got like an FAQ section ready to go in. <laughs> like just dealing with the emails was crazy. We were getting thousands a day. But really, how do you get viral, right? How do you create that result? The first thing that you really need is a good product or a good service. Right. Because no matter how amazing the PR campaign is or the marketing, if you haven't got something good, something that people genuinely want, then people aren't going to track to it. The second point is the timing. The reason why we went viral is because we were solving a fundamental human need to get food. So does your product or service have something relevant that everyone's speaking about in the media? Everyone was saying in the media, no one can get food. There's massive problems in creating that. So if you can find something that's already trending in the media and you can create a solution that solves that problem, you're halfway there. Yeah. The second half, and this is real where the key was, is contacting journalists already writing about that particular problem because it's already on their mind. They're going to be more open to it. And if one week they're writing about this huge problem, creating a lot of fear, and the second week they're finding a solution to it, there it's in their best interest to publish it because they're going to get traction and they're continuing their story so how can you adapt your pitch and your press release to fit them rather than fitting you Mm. yeah I love that you you say be journalist ready so the advice for maybe an entrepreneur or a company just starting out what does that mean what do they have to have prepared Mm. being journalist ready 
The honest answer is journalists can be lazy, right? They're just like me and you. They don't want to have to spend hours trying to figure out what you're trying to tell them. Yeah, Exactly. So we've got to make it as easy as possible because they're so busy and they don't want extra work. They want less work. When you're providing a story, you're giving them something to go. So you've got to think, is this easy enough to give to my nan? On a silver platter, is there a website ready to go? Have you got credibility? Have you got a good digital presence? And have you got something trending? And the easier you can make your life for them, their life for them, the easier and the more they'll like you. And then the more likely to open that email up. That, that's great advice. So you use YouTube quite a lot and talk about what that's done for maintaining your business and how valuable it's been. Well, one of the biggest things when it comes to YouTube is that I love the Google aspect because when someone's typing something into Google, what happens? You get a couple of ads, you get maybe one or two links on Google, and then you get the video section. Mm -hmm. And we have such a short attention span. Sometimes we like videos more than text. So if you can rank your YouTube video and title that to the exact thing that your client is typing into Google, um, then you're going to be ranking for that YouTube video. Mm -hmm. And all of that traction means they'll see you as the trusted authority. And when you're giving information, maybe it won't be straight away, but over time, they'll remember they got that information from you. Mm -hmm. And creating that transparency and answering questions also makes you the thought leader because you're the one putting yourself out there. Mm, I love that. And I think that's how you found me. And, and I was on your podcast. So talk about your podcast. Thank you. Um, so we have the Be The Authority show. And we always say, if you haven't got 10 minutes a day, you can put me on 2X and you can watch the entire episode in five. And really, <laughs> there's a lot of business coaches who have never run businesses. There's a lot of regurgitated information, which is too general when it won't work for niche. So how do we find thought leaders who have already been there and done it, They've already learned the lessons the hard way to share that information because there's so much information. You could probably create a six or seven uh, figure business just by watching YouTube. But the key is how do you implement it correctly and to your specific niche? And that's when it comes to the thinking. So the purpose is rethinking the situation rather than just trying to attain all this information and not knowing what to do with it. That's, that's really helpful. And what's your view on, you know, a lot of people, myself included, are on lots of platforms, right? We're on LinkedIn, we're on YouTube, we're on Insta, you know, et cetera. And how important is that for people when they're building their brand? Hmm. Well, if you're Gary Vee, he'll tell you to post <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. 10 times a day, 10 10 times times a day on every platform, right? Right. But most of us don't have a content team of 40 yeah. people driving blogs and repurposing. We just don't have that, right? Yeah. So I always like to think, where does my ideal audience hang out? That's the first question I'll ask. Mm -hmm. And then the second is what content do I like? creating because maybe all my audience do hang out on YouTube but I really don't like getting in front of the camera or maybe all my audience are on LinkedIn and I love typing so maybe the LinkedIn mm -hmm. so the two questions I'd say is where do your audience hang out what kind of content do you prefer uh, like to do and then you choose because mm -hmm. you can't be everywhere at once but you can be on one particular platform elevate 
generate enough monetization to then invest learning your time or maybe mm-hmm. an agency on how to build a second platform. Got it. And do you view if you so I think and I've, I've heard Gary V say this, but I'm interested in your perspective when something hits well, do you repurpose it? If you have the time, of course, why yeah. not? Because it's already there. So if right. you can repurpose it, the easiest being if you've got a podcast, throw it onto YouTube. My thoughts on it really is what he's trying to say is how do you get the most outcome out of the minimum effort? So yeah. if you have one video that works really well, then rather than spending your time creating a new video, what can you do with that existing video and how can you leverage the assets you already have? And in particular, the assets you already know that are working. Mm, I love that. Super helpful. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about leadership because this is a Mm. topic I'm super passionate about. And I think there's a great way to lead and there's a not so great way to lead, but you obviously have built a following of, of a team that really, really loves you. So how do, how do you do that? What's the important lessons you think people should know? Hmm. I think leadership comes from being genuine, seeing the bigger purpose, because ultimately a team are there to drive a vehicle and you're letting them know what the end destination is going to be. It doesn't matter if you're driving a Ferrari or if you're trying to push a Ford KA. All they want to know is where the end goal and what does it mean for them? So leadership is really about how you can change it and thinking what's best for the business? Well, actually, what's best for the team? Because if you don't understand your team, how are they meant to be high performers? And when you get to a certain level, you're not no longer doing it yourself. But maybe if you're a startup, you started there. So you can empathize with them. You can train them. And if you find the right people, they have the skills and the ability to adapt. Just like when I moved my company over, I believed in their skills, not specifically what their tasks and responsibilities are. And as a startup, those tasks probably change every two or three months, right? Sabrina, because you knew them, you knew what they would be capable of. And as you shifted them into this new position, you said, no, no, you did this over here. You're going to be great at this over here. But if you didn't know them and if you didn't have a team of people that could could vouch for them and advocate for them, how could you do it with ease? You, you'd be putting people in the wrong roles. So yeah, I, I, I think that's great. I mean, to me, the, the best leaders take the time to get to know their people and, and you really, really need to do that. So, okay. So I know you're a big tennis player. What did tennis teach you about business? Mm, I, I love this question. And for me, it was actually the internalization of thought processes because a lot of us potentially could be external, meaning we think the world's against us. And on a tennis court, you're dealt with external factors all the time. That could be the weather change, the referee, your opponent, maybe your strategy is not working. But as a player, you are the only constant. So if you change that mindset and you think internally, I have the ability to adapt the strategy. I have the ability to go train harder. I have the ability to take the lessons I learn and go figure out how I can overcome them. And by being internal, you take responsibility. And when you take responsibility as an entrepreneur, you don't blame your team. You don't blame the strategies. You don't blame the market you figure out what exactly is the biggest challenge to overcome and how do I change that? And by doing that, 
you also show leadership actually because you're being internal you're not blaming everyone else and you're being harsh and real on yourself but that's going to create change and it's most hopefully going to be good change I, I love that I was just talking to a friend about blame today and there is such um people are so angry about so much and there is such a hunger for people to be angry and blame each other whether it's politics or I'm a victim because or you know so and so didn't see me and and glossed over me for an opportunity and it's their fault and I love that you said taking it internal because you do have power over your choices that's the only thing you really have power over so being able to recognize that and leverage that and be able to say to the team hey this didn't work it's not our fault. It's not your fault. It's not my fault, but let's pivot and figure out what are the things we need to do to make it work. I love that you hit on that. I think that's just so smart. So tell me and tell the audience what, why would an entrepreneur or a company need a PR agency? Hmm. For me, it's really about trust. Like, why is somebody going to trust you, whether you're Googling them or yeah. it's your clients or someone wanting to work with you? They want to be able to trust you. And by putting yourself out in the media, it makes you vulnerable. And because it makes you vulnerable, yeah. people are more likely to be transparent with you. And when it comes to PR, it's really about how do you create trust and create trust online. Because when you want to work with somebody, when you want to hire somebody, or even looking at a potential employer, you're going to Google them, what comes up, their ratings, their articles. And if they can see that you're a visionary, you're trying to put yourself out there. If there's an article about how much you care about your team and about how to be a good leader, you're more likely to increase the amount of trust that that person has for you and lead you on the right pathway. I I love that. And I think you know, for those of us that are consistently putting out content day in and day out, myself included, (laughs) sometimes it hits well, and sometimes it doesn't. And it's a long game. So it's, it's hard for people to understand that, nope, you just have to maintain that consistency. And I think the part that you're so good at is you've had so much experience with journalists and and publications and you know, okay, if this is the audience we're trying to hit, this is a publication that can help us get there. I mean, Mm. wouldn't you say that that's true? Yeah, I I think there's there's so many different strategies when it comes to PR. The biggest reason I actually got into PR was when I came off The Apprentice, my PR agent wanted to dress me up as this Love Island reality show who I was dating. And I was like, I've been listening to Brendan Rashad and Tony Robbins since the age of 14. I want to be taken seriously. I was making six figures profit at the age of 22. I want to inspire others to create something for themselves. And a lot of the time with our current clients, we're building their legacies for their companies and for their brands. Because if they don't tell your story, and I found out this the hard way, someone else will try and make it to their self-interest and tell it to the journalist point of view rather than to your legacy. Oh, so what was the hard way? What happened? What went wrong? 
Well, one I was had a couple of dating ones, which maybe shouldn't have gone out there. But then the second, you could say something to a journalist, right? And this is a really funny one. And I said that I didn't care about being dragged, like being um, late to getting ready because I'd rather have extra sleep. Because in The Apprentice, you only get about four hours of sleep a night. And I'd look like a couple of episodes, I've been dragged through a hedge. But in my head, I look like I'd be dragged through a hedge. Now, we had a half an hour interview about mindset, about limiting beliefs. But guess what the title was? Sabrina says she looks like she's been dragged through a hedge. And I was like, wow. And I think about 200,000 people saw that article. So uh. you've got to think about creating your own story rather than the journalists who only care because it's their job about clickbait. Yeah. Well, and you've bounced back nicely since being dragged through the hedge. So congratulations on figuring that out. So tell me, what inspires you? For me, when I was growing up, you know, I wanted to create more. I didn't have any role models, but I did listen to Brendan Rashad and Tony Robbins every single night at 14 years old as a female. And looking back, I'm a little bit like, where were the females? And if they were, why were they not visible enough Mm. for me to look up to and to think of the next step? And being an entrepreneur, having that independence has allowed me to get clarification and wellness in many areas of my life because I don't have financial stresses as much as a lot of people do, but I've been able to create my world to get there. I have very amazing friends but I'm very also choosy about the friends I created. So how can we educate others to become more internal, take more responsibility Mm. and maybe rethink their current situation if they're not happy because not being happy is not normal. And we need to change that normality to how happy can we be? How fulfilled can we be? And how do we design our life rather than feel like everything impacts us? I love that. I I think being intentional with your time, with who you spend, spend it with, with your career. I think, you know, I run into so many women that Mm. are in these horrible jobs where they've compromised their values and they just don't feel safe enough to leave. And there is so much opportunity out there. I just want to shake them and say, no, 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 you can bring all of your goodness somewhere else where it will be appreciated. And I, I think you're right. I, I've run into a few women who've never had a good role model. They've never had a good leader. I've been very blessed. I've had really amazing leaders to look up to and I've taken from them and I've learned those nuggets and morsels that have served me and served other people that I've led. But without those role models, you're kind of on your own. And I give you so much credit for figuring this out so young. I don't think at age 14, I was thinking about that for sure. Um <laughs> I'm sure I don't know what I was thinking about, but it wasn't that. So I I just think it's brilliant. So what would you like your legacy to be? For me, I guess it would be to allow others to learn that they have a choice and that choice is their choice to be happy. And happiness for me comes from building things, from having an amazing relationship, from experiencing new ideas. And everyone has their own version of what happiness looks like. But sometimes, and I've experienced this with loved ones, is they feel like the world's against them and everything's happening to them. When really, when you become 100% internal and take it to the extreme, 
you can decide to be happy. You can change your thought patterns and change the way you'd adapt to external situations so that you can bounce back and you have that resilience in you to love life more. Oh, I love that. And being, you know, reminding yourself you have choices. I think so many people just like the blame thing. They're like, well, I can't leave. Well, I need this money. And they won't even explore making that change. And Mm. it takes guts, but, and, and, and fear is obviously a real component of any, any big change you make, but I, I think that's wonderful. Sabrina, how do people find you? Thank you so much. And, you know, I always like to think, just mentioning on the fear point, are you more fearful about your current situation? Well, how about if your current situation didn't change in 30, 60, 90 days time? And how do you create that change? Um, and the best place to connect with me, I'd probably say, is on my Instagram, Sabrina Stocker, LinkedIn the same, and on my YouTube as well. And really, you know, creating that choice and being internal, if you could design your perfect life, what would that look like? Mm. Reverse engineer it and create it yourself. I love that. I love that. What wonderful words to leave on. Everyone, Sabrina is amazing. As you can tell, reach out to her. She's fantastic. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. Sabrina, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat for Hire. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me on Insta or at LinkedIn at Lindsay Dowd, H4H, or you can reach me at my website, heartbeatforhire.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.